that's great. If you love, like, if you love retro, like, retro 50s kind of settings for horror, it's great. Yeah, we might try to do that on the podcast sometime. I don't know. Uh, It's definitely, like, up our alley, though. Are you going to do The Littlest Vampire as well? <laughs> oh, yeah. We should do, like, junior horror. Like a junior, like, <laughs> introducing not. your nieces and nephews to things that might make them interested in horror. Maybe in a spinoff episode, but no, probably never. <laughs> spinoff episode. Welcome to Horror Kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, welcome to the Horror Explorer Flashback. So this is a podcast determined to turn younger people on to horror movies they might have never seen or even heard of. We like to focus on VHS-era horror that most younger horror fans aren't aware of. And in the case of these flashback episodes, we're looking at movies the podcast covered a long time ago when our format was different to give our newer co-hosts an opportunity to weigh in on some of these movies. So I'm Dave, and I'm here once again. And this week with us, we have Lauren. Hi! Nat? Salutations. Allie? Hello! So, every week, we watch a VHS-era movie that most people our age might not be familiar with, because the whole point of the podcast is to make younger horror fans aware that the best new horror movie they see this year could be a movie from 30 years ago that they didn't even know existed. And this week, we're watching The Slumber Party Massacre! Yeah, so, like, I've never... Like, I've heard of this film before, but I've never actually seen seen it however on that note i do know it's quite a fair a famed horror movie among the reviewers and i've seen many reviews about this film i know it's a very important film to discuss especially among famous ideas so i'm very very excited to be talking about it today you said my trigger word feminist ideas <laughs> we're gonna jump right into like mulvey and that sort of thing hopefully with this discussion <laughs> I had heard of it because it always so so February is apparently women in horror month and this is the movie that is at like the front of everyone's list when they're talking about influential women in horror movies it they go the slumber party massacre and then I think they bring up some other movie that I can't remember but it's because this is the only series that has been directed by a woman throughout the entire thing oh really even in the later installments yes Wow. Well, I know it was the first. Is it really the only? Yeah, it. I mean, when I checked Wikipedia today, it said it was the only one that went from beginning to end. So, like, all three parts have a woman director, but like, you know, maybe Saw Six had a lady director, but the rest were dudes. Mm. I made that up. That's all <laughs> thing. Just so we're clear. And this film passes the Bechtel test before it was a thing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce that? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Oh, okay. In I my head, I thought it was I Bechdel. I think that's a sauce. Yeah, I always heard Bechdel. <laughs> I've never said it out loud corrected. before. I sound corrected. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I don't know. I've never taken gender studies class, so I don't know. And I've never heard it, like, pronounced in real life. Yeah, I just kind of, like, speed read it whenever I see it. Like, this is a jumble of letters. <laughs> so none of you have, like, seen it before in, in its entirety? I had seen clips of this uh, in various settings, but this was my first serious uh, sit down and, and watch the whole thing beginning to end. Cool. Cool. So I've seen this before, uh, of course, because we had a previous podcast episode on this. And prior to that, I only really knew this because like you guys have said, a lot of people talk about it as a hallmark for like feminist horror films and that sort of thing. 
So what's this movie about? The premise is very, very straightforward. It's a killer with a drill, hunts girls at a high school slumber party, even though all the girls look way, way <laughs> older than high school. And in terms of notables and crew and cast, we have the writer, uh, Rita Mae Brown, who wrote a lot of like feminist literature. She also wrote a book where, or a book series where all the titles are cat puns. Oh, oh. <laughs> Uh, the Miss Murphy mysteries, and I had just a blast going through the list of them. They're so fun. Those sound cool. Is there any? Are there any other notables in crew or cast that you guys want to mention? Uh, the director directed Beethoven. Oh, true. Like the, the big dog movie. And Mystic Pizza, which I have not seen. Oh no, she didn't direct it. She wrote it. Sorry. Michelle Michaels uh, was in Death Wish Four. And a Chuck Morris, a Chuck Norris movie, horror and the hero and the terror. Weird. I've never heard of those. I've yeah. never heard of that either. Is that well, a horror seen, movie? You've seen the Death Wish movies, right? No, oh, I yeah. haven't. No. Oh my yeah. god, you have to watch Death Wish. I mean, the first two are the best. Four is kind of like the, but I mean, it's worth going through the whole series. I was actually in theaters today, and I just came from the theater, and I was sitting during one of the previews, and it was Bruce Willis like pulling gun and just like annihilating people and i'm laughing through the whole thing and then death wish comes up so it turns out they're remaking death wish with mm. bruce yeah. willis yeah i'm i'm dubious he's not my pick for a for a death wish reboot yeah who would you pick charlie bronson uh, yeah or i would i say javier bardem oh yeah definitely oh, yeah. awesome the killer in this movie actually gave me javier bardem vibes did anybody oh, else totally. get that? Yeah. Yeah. Those really oh, well, intense yeah. eyes. Like, like, he'd make this face, and it was very much like Javier Bardem intense face. Hmm. Well, like, from IMDb, the trivia, like, when I was doing my own research, the uh, the actor that played the murderer, he did a lot of research into this film. Like, he, wrote, he read a lot of literature, as well as he isolated himself away from the cast so, like, they did not know him. He never got to know them either. So he is a stranger to him, to, like, to when he was his character. Wow. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, like, he could have, like, you know, talked to the girls and stuff. Instead, he chose to, like, not talk to them. And, yeah, like, I'm like, wow, he's, like, really dedicated to this creepy um, stalker killer type. Damn. What's interesting is he only had, like, two lines. Yeah. And so the idea of him isolating himself for an entire shoot with these two lines at in the last like five minutes of the movie amazes me because like if you isolate yourself I can imagine like you're studying all your lines but he's got like a paragraph. Well it's more like um the interaction with the girls, right? Like if he like was joking and talking to them, um and then when he had to like, you know, grab them and kill them, that's that's that's, that's another thing, right? If he was yeah. bonding with them, then I wouldn't get the same thing if these girls were screaming a certain way if they knew him. Oh, no, I agree completely. I just, the, I did theater in college and, you know. Oh, you mean like rehearsing lines together. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. That's kind of what I was trying to say. But there aren't many lines for him to rehearse here. No. Yeah. But well, he delivered you- them very well. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll discuss those lines later because they're very, very, very important. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. I for each time we I watched this movie, I wrote down the lines of dialogue exactly. But anyway, we'll see what they have to say about Slumber Party Massacre right after this. If you'd like to contact us here at the Horror Explorer Podcast, you can reach us via email at horrorexplorerpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can interact with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash horrorexplorer. And you can follow us on our Twitter account at horrorexplorer. Okay, now we'll see what these guys thought of Slumber Party Massacre, starring with myself. So, uh, the best way to talk about the film, or to start talking about a film, is to talk about its opening. So, it opens with dramatic opera music and a tilt down from a white sky to a house, and a lot of Halloween-esque shots of a street. I would like to just point out, like, throughout the movie, you see a lot of red, and this was the first time I really noticed it, because there's a kid delivering a newspaper, he's got a red shirt, and he throws it into the driveway of a red house. And it's a very, like, kind of fall aesthetic. And then it cuts to our main character lying in, like, a beautiful, springy, like, bed bed setting. Bed sheets. Her bed. Yeah, her bed is, like, covered with, like, flower design, which is obviously, like, showing her innocence. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she's going through, like, picking out some of her toys to get rid of, kind of showing this is her sort of coming of age. She's a woman now. She's 18. She makes mm. a point of telling her mom that so we don't feel so awkward when we see her boobs. <laughs> yeah, the very yeah. Begin- like, when you first meet her, there's a nude scene. Speaking of the boobs. <laughs> um, there's okay, a lot of boobs. The there's a lot of boobs. Well, I... This is going to sound so weird. I'm just going to dive in and hope y'all agree with me. I have never experienced nude scenes like the nude scenes in this movie. Like they didn't feel exploitative. They didn't feel, I didn't feel like I was standing creepily in a corner watching her undress. (laughs) Like I felt I, and maybe this is because I'm a lady myself, but I felt like, Oh, okay. This is like getting dressed in the morning. And there's, there's a scene later on in the movie. I'm just, jumping ahead and that'll rewind where it's like a bunch of Mm -hmm. girls showering together and they're all just talking they're all just like chatting and having a good time it's like camera moves around and keeps centering on their butts but it feels natural it feels (laughs) natural in a weird way it feels like when you're in the like locker room and you're like oh my (laughs) gosh like i am like a toad and everything is wrong with my body and you (laughs) hone in on another woman and you're like how the hell did you get that butt like, that's what it felt that's like. So, wait, Lauren, so you're saying when you're in the locker room with other girls, you're just, like, staring at their butts constantly. No, 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 no. There's no like, if a, girl, if a girl walks by and I'm, like, maybe having a good body day and then she's just really attractive, I'm like, oh, just kidding, I'm a toad. And then I kind of focus and I'm like, how many squats is that? Are we talking, like, ten a day, a thousand a day? I think it's really interesting that that we all felt strangely comfortable with the nudity because they don't shy away from it. We get lots and lots of like titty and booty shots that are just complete, just right there. But they feel they're done in such a way that it feels natural. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like they're just trying to shoehorn unnecessary nudity in there. Well, get that on, rating up. On that note. I felt as much as I agree with you guys, I do think that the way the the writer and the director had it, it was felt very natural and very, you know, um yeah, very natural. I do think they had a point in in showing that 
we are exploiting people like these women in general by especially the scene in the locker room where for no reason it just pants down to the girl's butt it felt like they were like pointing out like mm-hmm. this nice. is not a needed shot but we're gonna put it in because it's what you guys want to see we're like it's i do know that this movie's supposed to be a parody but i do know that there are, i know that these scenes especially were there as not as fan service but to address the fact that the nudity we see in horror films are fan or not fan service but they are meant to yeah get viewers and get people to go and see them because people want to see good women yeah, it's addressing the voyeurism and uh, gratuitousness that's inherent to these, like, nude scenes. And I think that's really well addressed. It's odd that you guys think it's more natural and comfortable because I thought it was kind of artificial to show, like you said, Nat, the um, voyeuristic tendencies of these scenes. Because when we're seeing the main girl undress in the opening scene, she undresses like right in front of a mirror and an open window. So not only do we have these two screens there, the mirror and the open window, we also are watching her through a screen through the movie screen itself. So it's kind of like a triple Mm. penetration thing. When we talk about like the shots on the butts, the the dialogue for me, we are going to focus so much on these nude scenes. I think that's hilarious. Um, (laughs) There's so many in the first 15 minutes. Um, But <laughs> but the <laughs> the focusing on the butts when you listen to the dialogue that's going on it's it's kind of catty dialogue it and is i i in my head and this could be like sad like sad self-conscious high school lauren coming out but i kind of viewed it as almost the viewer being another girl in the locker room hearing these catty things and it's supposed to like lead you along your own catty path of like yeah, we're, you know, judging Valerie, because why is Valerie so great? Screw Valerie. Weird. I thought it was supposed to be like a peeping Tom perspective, like looking in on the locker room because of the oh, yeah. gratuitous nudity. But well, it's funny you say, you say that, yeah. because when you mentioned the voristic, there is a scene where the boys are watching the girls through the window. Yeah, and that's shot totally differently. Like, normally when you see nude scenes in horror movies, they're... And correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. Um... No, 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 no. This is like I'm going to horribly describe shots of things. Um, uh, But like a lot of nude scenes in horror movies are like shot between panels of wood or like from from below. Like you mostly see like knees down of a nude woman before it goes up. You very rarely in horror movies see like Uh straight on. Here's a lady and she's naked and. To me, that almost felt less voyeuristic because in the first nude scene, she's in her house. So it's like we are also in her house, like as the viewer. But it does. But we're not like peeping around a corner. We are standing in her doorway. But also keep in mind, we're not looking at her directly. We're looking at her mm-hmm. reflection in the mirror. So there is a bit of a distance there. Well, it's, well like in the peeping Tom scene where the two high school boys um, are decide to go and crash the party, they go and watch the girls undress into their night clothes. And they're, and like, I don't, yeah, if you agree with me, let me know. But like, they're standing pretty much right in front of the window. And these girls are in the living room right in front of the window. And throughout the entire scene, I'm like, are are these girls just going to look slightly to their left or the right and see these two guys gawking (laughs) at them and laughing and going like, you know, pointing, you know, like shoving their elbows into each other going, look at that. And, and Valerie's right across the street and, 
Like, it was very plainly obvious that, you know, they were trying to, like, I, I was just, like, blown away. And there was a seat, like, the part where the girls put out the ashtray, and they, they pretty much, the boys just kind of, like, hide. Jump out of the way. Yeah, they just jump out of the way. Yeah, I was yeah. like, the girls were right yeah. in front of them. I was like, wow. I think that was definitely a joke on... Yeah. On that, on that trope of, oh, let's all change our clothes and get naked real quick. Right, <laughs> right, right out here in front of everyone. Let's all just like, dress each other in our nightgowns. And, yeah, and I assume that's not what actually happens no, at like a girl's uh, slumber party, no, right? No, I mean, <laughs> like occasionally there's like truth or dare. <laughs> but... Have to Once know in a while, secret. it's like, what do you think of my boobs? Is this is this too big? Should I get them done? It's like, but it, it's not like, oh, let's all take off our clothes and have a pillow fight. Like, we don't, that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Movies have lied to me. You forgot the satanic rituals, guys. Oh, right. That, uh, that yeah. too. Rise, body, rise. <laughs> I thought that was really Light funny. Light as a feather, <laughs> that the girls have really bad peripheral vision, which I think is another play on on the trope. Because yeah, if they look slightly to their left, they would obviously see the 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 two boys looking in the window. And there's another scene when um Trish and the blonde one are hiding in her room, and <laughs> the killer is able to creep in and get like two feet behind them before they even realize if they turned their head like three centimeters, they would see him. Uh, what about uh when uh. Valerie's little sister is asking for a beer <laughs> and that's bad peripheral vision. I will, I will wait until we reach that part of the movie before I explain why her peripheral vision is so bad, <laughs> but there's another bad peripheral vision bit. Well, well, like during this, like the yeah. scene in question when, yeah, the killer is like creeping up behind them. And well, like, I think that was meant to be a, yeah, like a joke on that. Like they were making fun of that because the girls hear him and they both slowly turn their heads, look at him for like a full like three seconds before screaming and running. I think they're like addressing like, yeah, like <laughs> this is meant to be made fun of. Yeah, it's definitely a parody. And a lot of it is the oh my only issue with this film is the parody elements. This isn't an issue, but this is just the pros and cons. In the pros, the parody elements all work really, really well. But then there are some moments that seem serious. Like there are a lot of fake jump scares that seem like they were actually supposed to produce a startle effect. For example, we get a shot in which a cat literally jumps out of a closet to. Or what the about audience. every single time Valerie's sister like exists? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just to give some context, the party happens at one house, and the next-door neighbor girl, Valerie, isn't really in with this group of girls, so she lives with her younger sister at this next-door house. They didn't invite her because she's a suck-up. Well, they they did invite cat. her, but she refused because she overheard them talk about her. You know, like, there is that one character who was, like, does not, pretty much the only one who does not like her and was kind of, yeah, being catty towards her and saying, like, oh, she drinks too much milk. I don't even know what the heck yeah. that means. I think that's a reference to her boobs. Oh. Like, let's, that's, that was, like, an yeah, old wife's yeah. tale. I remember hearing that, like, at the beginning of puberty from other girls being like, you have to drink a lot of milk or else you won't grow boobs. It's a fact. <laughs> also, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, 
why are these other girls, the whole cause of the drama between Valerie and the other friend group of girls is because Valerie is too <laughs> good at basketball. So Valerie, like, wins a point in basketball, and then all the girls, like, turn around and are like, man, what a teacher's pet. How is, like, being good at basketball? I mean, they're all, like, pet? really competitive, and I think you just glom on to anything and just, like, attach another negative adjective to it. Like... Oh my god, she's such a know-it-all, yeah. and her feet are really ugly. Like stuff like yeah. that. You just you just yeah. keep piling on because you're building a little cocoon of hatred. And that's like, like that's... another jab. That's yet another jab at the trope of the genre of needlessly bitchy high school girls who just hate each other and are catty, and they keep prodding it. Like when I was when I was reading about the film, uh, Rita Mae Brown wrote it as a parody but then ultimately the decision was made to shoot it not so much as a parody but as a straight up horror film so there's some parody elements that come off like they were trying to be serious and don't necessarily land their humorous aspects but then but then yeah. there's other really funny yeah. aspects that that come through no matter how they shot or edited it yeah, for example, there's a lot of dialogue that suggests its parody status. For example, the teacher walks home and like knocks on her own door and a drill comes in and then the drill opens up, or sorry, the door opens up to reveal some lady like <laughs> drilling a hole and then the lady's like, oh, sorry, I was just drilling your peephole, which is a funny play at the voyeurism that this movie is. Uh, oh, I hadn't made on. that connection. Yeah, that's a, that by a the good drill. catch. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, lady repairman, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> lady phone technician. <laughs> lady yeah, there phone are a lot tech. of yeah. This is yeah, yeah. All these well, professional women. It's great. Well, you know, on that note, um, I was like not shocked, but it was really nice and refreshing to see the girls were really into sports, like how athletic they were, and how they yeah. called up to the, the sports teacher to ask, like, because they were having a debate about I don't I don't know baseball, like something about homers and home runs and um they were they went to and like actually called her up to like you know diffuse the debate and in the bedroom of trish she actually has a lot of sports posters on her wall and like trophies and she's um, got a tennis, was, a tennis poster that, yeah like i was like that's really yeah. nice to see and like how um, i don't remember her name but like the one that has the boyfriend she knows like jiu-jitsu or something like that because she totally flipped her boyfriend around when it was for like the millionth scare jump scare where the boyfriend puts his hand on her shoulder and she just like lifts him yeah. up and like slams him to the ground i was just expecting yeah. that to come in later i was like man she's gonna be useful yeah she was not no uh, worthless <laughs> yeah and that scene where she flips her boyfriend around comes after a long tracking shot where we get a pov of some unknown force following her down the street and breathing very heavily like the classic killer stalking pov it just so many scenes like threw you for a loop like all those jump scares i stopped trusting the movie after a while there were so many like i got angry yeah i was so tired of seeing them yeah the jump scares didn't really work unfortunately because it seems like all this group of friends does with each other is like jump scare. I mean, I think another. one of the guys even said something. I think I wrote it down. Something about, you know, girls, they just like to stand around and scream. <laughs> and I love that. That's probably a play on like how girls tend to in horror movies just stand there and scream as they get stabbed instead of like defending themselves, you know? It could also be a play on the fact that like when you get 
at least four girls in a group together, the uh, volume just gets louder and louder and louder and louder. Oh, and the pitch goes up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just gets higher and is louder. Is this, like, and true? Or... It's, it is so true, and it is something I am I am too old to even be doing that. I'm constantly, when I'm with friends, having to, like, pull myself down and be like, Lauren, we cannot be screeching. <laughs> Oh my That's god, I never realized this. Women. I need to like pay attention. No, not with all women, but Hashtag not all women. <laughs> I'm not I all those guys screaming groups. They go, ah I'm I'm thinking of one individual. His name's yeah, like David David was no, right that like all these friends are like just play these really dangerous pranks. They're always pretending to be dead and making all these jokes about murders in a way that's like definitely not typical for your average like preppy high schoolers like the the sister pretends to be dead and is like she goes so far as to be like laying in some brush like who does that no one does that um the sister pulled a knife on valerie as a prank and yeah like, yeah what the oh my gosh no it's that? dull i wasn't gonna do any damage with it Three different people ran around with knives like it was like they're freaking silly like it makes no why are these people so dangerous also, for one of the jump scares, the friend next door who's tasked with the wash, watching over the party house, mm-hmm. he sneaks up behind one of the girls getting firewood and raises up a butcher knife to kill a snail that's right in front of her. Why would he not say, hello, I'm or like, hey, kill the snail? Or whatever. Yeah. Well, didn't earlier he – so prior to him scaring the friend, he scares the bejesus out of Trish – and then it's like, don't tell your mom that I scared you. And for context, Trish is the main girl who owns the house and who is hosting the party. And then it's like, I won't tell your mom that you're going to do drugs and drink as long as you promise not to tell her that I creeped up on you and scared you. I went into your house and scared you. That guy was creepy as hell, and that's why he needed to die immediately after that snail incident. Like, oh man, he's really creepy, but he's <laughs> I mean, dead now, so I guess it doesn't matter. Like, I don't garden, but him going out with a cleaver to kill snails is a time waster. All he needed was some turnips, seriously. What? Turnips kill snails. They they eat themselves to death if they eat turnips. Really? The more you know. Well, the more you know. It's been a really yeah. educational session. Even <laughs> if you don't know that garden hack, I don't know how anyone <laughs> would arrive at the conclusion that a meat cleaver is the best way to deal with garden snails. I think he was just really angry. He had a lot of anger problems, and he takes it out on snails because they eat his garden, and it's the only thing in his life that he has he has pride over, <laughs> other than scaring girls in their house. I thought it was supposed to be set up that he was a possible suspect. It, it, However, it. that doesn't work yeah. because we've seen the killer already. And the killer had just broken out. Obviously, that, that guy had been living next door to them for longer than this killer had been escaped. Oh, that's a good point. But they were, like, trying yeah. to create red herrings, That's right? True. But yeah, there, there's so many misdirects in the film. I mean, they that it's, again, playing on the trope that there are always a couple of red herrings and misdirections in horror movies. And they just put so many that you just laugh every time. It's like, yeah, yeah, right. Would have been an interesting twist, though. But there was no twist. And we knew there wasn't going to be a twist. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, narratively, it's really simple. I feel like all the more complicated aspects of the film go into subtleties with, like, dialogue and cinematography that parody uh, the slasher genre, I guess, and just the way the slasher genre treats women. And men, too, I would argue. There was a lot of 
Um, I'm going to argue beard phallic imagery with the drill. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like there's oh, this, there's this we'll angle where the the drill is coming at a girl and it's between the guy's legs. It's a very quick shot from behind. It drops. Yeah. It, and it, then it, in fact, even the poster has that shot on the poster. It's between his legs. Oh, yeah. It's very When I when I first dick. saw that he's using the the power drill, I was like, "Oh, that's that's a really funny play on the whole like phallic nature of of these slasher flicks. It's all about the penetration and and the male virility or phallic obsession." And it, I thought it was really funny and really poignant of a weapon choice uh, when I when I first noticed it. Yeah, definitely. So then, what does that say about Valerie's choice of a uh, buzz saw as a weapon? That she can't get up the stairs because power cord. <laughs> uh, she needs the machete to get up the stairs. She needs to, uh, as Carol Clover would say, she, Carol Clover is the one who wrote the like seminal thesis on the final girl. She needs to phallicize herself in order to combat <laughs> the male. Oh, and then threat. she cuts the tip of the drill off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She symbolically castrates the killer. Like- in that scene, like, I wrote it down, um, the part where, yeah, like, the after, oh, was it, oh, shoot, anyway, um, the scene where she cuts off his hand, and he comes at her from the pool afterwards, and instead of trying to kill her, he starts slapping her. With like, his he, stump! But, but he, like, it's not like he wanted to kill her, he wanted her to be in pain, like, he was trying to make her suffer, and I it just, that really freaked me out. And I mean, I none of the deaths are quick. No. Aside from the male deaths, all the male deaths are pretty quick. Aside from one I would argue that kill, the pizza guy did we'll not die that. a very easy, happy death. Well, we don't. The point is what we see, whether or not we see their death yeah, as quick or not. The girls all tend to suffer longer on screen than the guys do. Most of them, at least. For example, one of the boyfriends gets killed in the car, decapitated. Somehow, a drill decapitates him. I'm not sure how, but... He is decapitated by a drill, and then, but we don't see it. Later on, we do see the girl getting drilled into. <laughs> That's what we're talking yes, about. Yes, <laughs> My word choice throughout this yeah, entire lots podcast. Lots of drilling going on. Well, since we're talking about the phallic nature of the drill, could we talk a little bit about the rapist undertones that this film has? With the killer or yeah, with, with other the characters? Killer. With the killer. Oh, towards the end of the film, you mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we can go into that. Uh, well, before that, since that's only in his last lines of dialogue in, like, one of the concluding scenes, let's just talk about something else first. So what we cannot talk about instead is the relationship between the younger sister yes! and Valerie herself. <laughs> because we have a lot of weird things going on there. One weird thing to note is that Valerie's younger sister runs upstairs, like, immediately after she finishes her chores or whatever to go, like, masturbate to, like, a Playgirl magazine. That she gets from her sister's room and calls her biology homework. Yeah. Well, that's another thing I liked about this film is that it showed positive female sexuality. Like, it showed that women do have a sexuality and they don't do that usually they show these girls as like innocent like oh teehee oh it's my first time be gentle it's more like yeah i know i know what i know i know what i like and they were like even a scene where the two sisters are looking at pictures together and like the younger sister kind of makes a face looking at one photo 
Like, I thought that was great. I mean, I don't know if sisters really do that, but... <laughs> uh, no. I, no, we don't. Yeah, I agree with that here. However, I would say in a lot of films, horror films, they do display female sexuality. For example, we have the whole, uh, like, slut character, like, that whole archetype that uh, plays a role. Like, in Cabin in the Woods, we have that come up as one of the five archetypes. So... I'd say this movie does a yeah, better job of displaying healthy female sexuality. Exactly. It's yes. positive. Like, usually it's either, like, way repressed or it's over-sexualized. Like, oh, I'm going right, to fuck right. every guy I see. Or, yeah, I, I blew this guy on Monday and tomorrow I'm going to be with his friend Dave. <laughs> but here it actually shows, like, yeah, like, positive, healthy relationships and, like, how women view sex. And I, I just really like that. I also like that it also shows... Uh, learning about sexuality too there's that scene where courtney who's the sister is talking to her friend on the phone and she talks about a guy french kissing her and she's like this is disgusting it was gross and slimy and it was it was refreshing to see someone experience i guess not really like a magical thing it was refreshing to see like an actual realistic portrayal of i don't know a 14 year old's first french kiss and yeah. they're laughing about it with their friend. Speaking of realistic portrayals, uh, the young girl, Valerie's younger sister, talks about, and I quote, beating off boys in the fifth grade. <laughs> and, then, and then at first, uh, the younger sister goes to her older sister, Valerie, and says, you made that up. and Or told mom or something. And then the older sister says, no, I didn't. Or I, I don't know the exact change, but it an, ends Ooh. up with the younger sister saying, you did not to the older sister saying, uh, I made it up. So implying that she actually was doing it. Well, like, so the, joke, think... the joke was, was that, yeah, she's like, she's like, oh, because you were beating up boys in fifth grade. And she goes, no, I did not. Did you tell mom? <laughs> like, because I think maybe there was an undertone that it did happen. Okay. Okay. So I was just like, that's, uh, that's interesting. All the uh, girls were extremely frank with each other about sexuality like, they were talking about some other girl and a guy who got caught, by they I mean the girls at the sleepover, who got caught at, um, you know, sleeping together house. by the parents, yeah. And they're just like, instead of being like, oh my god, that's so gross, they were having sex, it's, it's wow, I would never be that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and another note at the sleepover part, uh, unfortunately... Although it does do all these positive things, it also hits a lot of cliches that it doesn't seem to be parodying. Or the, the friend going off with uh, with her boyfriend, and she kind of had a little bit of that, like, teehee, I don't, I don't want anyone to see you. Like, well, God, why don't we go so back annoying. to my house? Also, that scene opens with her having, making out with her boyfriend in the car, opens with an extreme close-up of her breast. So I was like, wow, we're taking the gratuitous to a new level. And it's taking it to the extreme level, which uh, allows it to work as parody. I was going to say, I almost couldn't tell what it was. It was at such a bizarre, like, super close angle. You see, like, a little bit of shirt, but not enough shirt to, like, because her oh, shirt's got a weird pattern. Yeah. Also, something interesting to note prior to that scene, they go over horoscopes, and her horoscope is she'll get a head or something, and mm -hmm. somebody jokes, who's head, teehee, and it's funny <laughs> because later on her boyfriend's decapitated head falls into her lap. Oh. That was a good catch. Yeah, so there's a lot of like fun stuff like that in the movie. Well, there was a scene I really liked, the part where um, the girls are hiding, like, they're, like, 
they know the killer's off to them and are just kind of staying where they are with knives. And um, the friend, she goes, well, I'm hungry. And there's that pizza with the pizza man. <laughs> and he's laying on the ground. And just the way they he's put dead. the sound. Yeah, he's dead, by the way. And just the way they put the sound editing, she's like, well, it's he's, you know, I'm still hungry. She takes the pizza and like, they must have like amped up the sound quality for the scene because it made it like sound super gross when she bit into it. It was like that. It was like some like like actual flesh being kind of poked around and like it felt slimy. And the girls, of course, are going ew, and she's like, oh, it tastes great. Like I feel better already. Like I felt that was like a nice little little thing they did to make the pizza because they wanted us to feel gross too. Just like the girls were. Like, I didn't feel that grossed out. But with that noise happened, I was like, ew, it's so gross. It was a nice little touch they did. That scene forced me to confront the fact that I would be that girl who's like, well, I'm hungry. And there's pizza. <laughs> yeah, but she just leaves the pizza off of, off of him. She's eating it box. off his back. It's yeah. in a box. However, she had to take the guy's dead hand off of the box in order to reach the pizza, and then she uses his back as a table. Well, you need, what, you am need I going to risk going all the way into the kitchen by myself? What is, yeah, definitely not. Okay, so at this point, something interesting to note is the girls aren't even aware of the killer's presence until 50 minutes into the movie. Mm. Oh, wow, it was really that long? Yeah, yeah, and this movie is only an hour and 16 minutes or so. I mean, the first kill happens within the first 10 minutes, but it happens when people are walking away from the killing happened. Like, you see the um, oh, the, the telephone lady get pulled into the back of her own truck, and you see her banging against the windows of the truck trying to get people's attention, but you're focused on the fronts of the characters that are walking away. Yeah, and I really like that. I really like I moments that. like that that don't have scare cues but the scares are happening in the background. We get another moment like that later on in the house when Trish, the main girl at the party, and two of her surviving friends run upstairs and lock themselves in the bedroom, and the killer slowly creeps in through the window behind them, but there's no scare cue for it. Yeah, I wrote down he is the quietest killer in all the land. He, yeah. He was the really strong, silent type. Too. <laughs> okay, so I feel Jason. like... Sorry, what? I said that was that's Jason. That that's Jason's. Uh... Oh, the strong, silent type. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so since we're kind of like reaching the end, let's wrap up by talking about the killer's dialogue and just the closing scenes. You're so pretty. You girls you know are all so pretty. <laughs> you know you uh, want it. I love you. Love has to hurt. <laughs> he says, "Takes a lot of love for a person to do this." You know you want it. Yeah, you want it. Yes. And this dialogue is just pornographic. And I like your delivery really enca- of it. Oh, he, thank you. Thank you. He also had some funny lines, too, in the middle of the movie. Like, of course, the last part was very, very creepy and, like, horrible, what he said. But, like, during the middle of the movie, like, especially with the pizza man scene, like, he impersonated the pizza guy, remember? And he was like, He's like, how much is it going to cost us? He's like, I don't know, six? He's <laughs> like, how many people he killed already? Yeah, I thought that was yeah. so funny. I oh, he said, what's of... the damage, right? Yeah, he's like, I oh, don't yeah. know, what's, what's the damage? Oh, God. <laughs> and then he's, like, counting the people he killed that he stuffed in the trunk of the car. And he's like, one, two, three, four, oh, shit, because he's missing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, 
shit. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And then and then it got creepy and horrible. Yeah. And then it took a sudden turn. Yeah, his ending dialogue kind of made me want to figure out what his story was. Like, who hurt you? What is what what led you to this here? Like, is it some kind of like Henry Lee Lucas thing where he was just like just abused and 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 horribly like raped by his mother or something or like what? Yeah, I was thinking thinking that he was a wife rapist. Like he thought he was like because you know there are the people like those you know red pill people who think that they're allowed to rape their wives that sort of thing. Like maybe he was something like that. Like I love you, I'm you know that sort of thing. Hmm. Like I love you, so that's why it's not rape. That sort of thing. Or even like, or like a, That's an or like a boyfriend, or that sort of thing. Even a girlfriend, even like you know. Something interesting is after he delivers those lines of dialogue. Something I picked up on, which I'd never picked up on before, was Trish as she's running away says, "I don't even know you," which I think is playing on the whole voyeurism aspect of like a bunch of dudes sitting in a theater watching like girls undress on a screen. Yeah. No, I can definitely see that. I also. I also interpreted it as her just being in shock that he said, I love you. And because it was such a confusing turn, at least for me, that I could imagine my first response being like, I don't even know you just because, (laughs) you know, this is a man that killed all your friends and he says he loves you, but you've never seen him before. You know this uh, this this discussion we're having kind of reminds me of uh, that artist. Um, what's his name? Uh, Vito Viaconsi or something like that. Like most of his work was about sexuality, and like he would do lots of performance work. And like there's like one where he's like standing in front of a camera and he's pointing right at you, and it's like maybe like ten minutes of him just pointing. And of course, from your perspective, like no matter how many people are in that room, it feels like he's pointing right at you. And there was like another one he did where he was like very controversial. He would masturbate underneath the floorboards while people were looking at his art. Yeah, like that sort of what? thing. Yeah, like that, <laughs> oh, that's like yeah. sort of what he would do. And there was like another where like um, where he had his girlfriend at the time and she would he would be there and he's trying to cover her eyes and she's trying to fight against him like not like you know hard like not trying to like fight him off but she's just kind of squirming and he's just trying to keep her eyes closed and he's like a big guy and she's a small little woman and he's just like his gigantic hands are just covering up her face and she's just trying to like squirm out of his grasp and that's that's kind of like that same of that boyistic tendency this movie seemed to uh, represent a lot of very interesting there's a I don't know if represent is parody. Like, yeah. parody. What are well, you going to say? I, I remember um, my first introduction to Vito Aconci was uh, one of his short films in MoMA where it's just a close-up on his flaccid penis for yeah. like the duration of the film. And like I remember I was there with my mom and we're just both <laughs> looking at it for a minute like, is it going to do anything? <laughs> 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 well, I think yeah, I think that was the point of his work, wasn't it? Like, the, yeah, was, gonna, like, what's he going to do with it? What's what's going to happen next? The yeah. expectation of penis. <laughs> it was a, That's it the was patriarchal a, system. We have. It's a very <laughs> apt introduction to his work, and I think it kind of harkens back to some uh, some themes within Summer Party Massacre of mm-hmm. kind of impotence and uh, mm-hmm. like I don't know 
sexual aggression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we have discussed this movie a lot. So let's just, we're running a little low on time here. So let's move into our final thoughts section. So Lauren, how about you start us off? You know, I anticipated enjoying this movie, but I exceeded my own anticipation of how much that I enjoyed it. I actually, as I was watching it, recommended it to someone. Like I got about 15 minutes in and texted a friend and said, you really need to watch this. It's, uh, my one complaint with it is that it doesn't know whether to seat itself as straight up horror or a, or a horror comedy. It tends to kind of waffle between the two, but I think as we discussed, there are a lot of really interesting elements in this movie that we don't see a lot of. And the very ending of this movie to me, I think is the most realistic end to a horror movie that I've ever seen. It's the last like minute that I'm talking about, not, stump slap um there are some moments of really jarring realism in this movie and i think that makes it worth a watch um i'm going to give it a seven out of ten okay awesome nat what do you think about it well quite honestly it's not my favorite um i do think it's a good film one that should be watched um, I would probably watch it again, probably with friends and a lot of wine. <laughs> However, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's not a movie I would watch again right away, at least. It's a, it's an okay slasher, but I do consider it a great psychological horror. There was a lot of, like, lots of anxiety-ridden scenes for me. In a good way, of course. Like, I felt like, oh no, is he gonna find them? Like, there's, especially at the end where the final character, the final characters are hiding from him, that I felt like, oh wow, like, this is, not getting my heart thumping, but I'm like, oh, wow. Like, is he actually going to find them? Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to run out? Um, but out of 10, I'd, I'd give it a good 7, yeah. And would you recommend it? I would, yes. Definitely. Okay. Cool. It has to be watched. Allie? Um, there are a lot of things I really liked about this movie. Um, and a lot of things that I still find refreshing watching from a contemporary perspective. Like there's still a lot of things this movie did that we still don't see in a lot of contemporary cinema, um, which I think makes the movie that much more socially relevant and important as a piece of feminist cinema, but also a piece of horror cinema um, because it plays on so many of the tropes and, and pokes fun while also showing uh, uh, still an affinity for the genre. I would highly recommend it uh, to fans of horror or fans of feminist cinema, anyone who's interested in, I guess, a different sort of take on the horror genre, the slasher genre. I would probably give it um, an 8 out of 10. Okay, great. So uh, lastly, my score for this movie, in my opinion, this movie actually has improved a huge amount from my last viewing because although this movie is I'll go hit the weak points first I suppose a lot of the shots don't feel very well composed and then there are a lot of fake jump scares as well as the performance by all the act um, by several of the actors isn't very aren't very solid uh let's see what else a lot of the dialogue is a little artificial and doesn't really work that well and a lot of scenes seem to kind of meander However, despite this, 
the way it parodies uh, voyeurism in horror cinema works really, really well. And there are a ton of subtleties in both the dialogue and cinematography that allow us to catch that parody. And whereas a lot of parody films are like, wow, are they like self-aware or are they not self-aware? This movie makes it very clear that it is self-aware and that works really well for it. Unfortunately, the scenes that try to be more traditional horror and they lose the parody slash comedy elements, those scenes fail. But the rest of the scenes work well enough that I would definitely recommend this movie to horror fans. So my score out of 10 has actually doubled (laughs) since last time I viewed it. So I would give this a 6 out of 10 and would recommend this to anyone. Previously, I gave this a 3 out of 10 with a slight recommendation, but now this goes to a 6 out of 10 with a solid recommendation. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what are we doing next time on flashback we are doing night of the comet so yeah have you guys seen this heard of this i have not i've heard of it i have not seen it i've heard of it i was gonna say i'd seen it but then i realized i was thinking of dave the triffids which is has nothing to do with that sorry i have heard of it yeah okay (laughs) no i i haven't heard of it no and i haven't seen it oh okay great so it'd be a fresh movie for everyone yeah. Okay, so anybody have any closing thoughts or anything you want to talk about before we say adios about the uh, movie? Oh, oh, yeah. Always double tap. Uh, they they <laughs> knocked him out with the baseball bat and then just I left know. him. You kill him. He's down, you kill him. It always makes me so mad, but oh. I get it necessary for the narrative, whatever. They knocked I, him out I, with a fire poker, too. I got mad when the coach actually dragged Trish away after like she stabbed him. Like, keep let him keep stabbing. Like, yeah. stab him. No, she said she dragged her away, and of course he got right back up. <laughs> yeah, he he took his dear sweet time dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always double tap. Make sure they're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the tropes that this movie falls into. Anyway, I guess that's it for today. Adios, everyone. <laughs> Bye. 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 And then Mike says, see you later. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, everyone can, like, stop their recordings. Oh, wait, actually, shit. Um, I was gonna...